Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. On this week's episode, Eric Foss at GatorCountry.com. Join me, we'll break down Florida's two new assistant hires, Eric Pastrana, uh, who comes to the Gators from Oklahoma State, and Akeem Misteen, who comes to Florida from Florida Atlantic. Uh, both previously coached with Dusty Mays, so some familiarity uh, in that respect to Mike White and uh, the Gators connections that way. We'll talk about the strengths of the hires and what they both will bring the program as they arrive in Gainesville and hit the road recruiting with the contact period beginning June 1st. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Hope everybody gets off to a safe and fun start to their summer. Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South, joined as always by Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. Eric, it's been a little bit of time. Uh, I guess Mike White just didn't want to hire anybody, mainly so we couldn't record a show. It is true. Uh, you know, there was wedges drawn between us and and the podcasting game. Uh, maybe it was a chance, for, uh, a, a good time for us to take a little bit of a break. Uh, maybe it's good for Maybe the listeners had enough of us for just a little while. But man, we're back. Um, hopefully, people are excited. Uh, we're certainly excited. Uh, did you get in, get get into anything fun for uh, Memorial Day today, or what? No, man. We had a a pretty mellow uh, pool and and grill day. Um, but it was it was nice to just be able to be out and be around people and and you know stuff that we had taken for granted for eighteen months. Uh, you know that that's always good and just kind of you know have that that quiet time, but also take some time to remember what Memorial Day is about in in this country, which is uh, honoring all the people and, and families that have made just immense sacrifices. Some some with their lives and. Uh, certainly grateful to all those uh, who have served and their families. Well, I'm glad you got a chance to uh, have a relaxed day and uh, um, yeah, kind of uh, ru- ruminate about <coughs> some of those things. It's not actually a, yeah, not a holiday in Canada. So uh, yeah. uh, didn't, so I was, you know, what didn't have to be distracted by any of the, uh, you know, the time off or stuff like that. So I spent some time uh, uh, to read some stuff that people were tweeting out. There were good resources to, uh, yeah, about Memorial Day and uh, everything kind of attached to it. So, so good learning day for me, but uh, not a not a holiday for myself. So uh, glad you were able to to relax enough for both of us. Hopefully, yeah, no, relaxed. Uh, did a little background reading, watched a little tape, um, and and started with Oklahoma State. And I thought kind of the primer stuff that we'll get into not immediately was stuff that you tweeted out that some of the offense that that they run, but I thought. The, the hire of Eric Pastrana from Oklahoma State was uh, considered in basketball circles a very good hire. I think objectively a very strong addition to the Florida staff, a sensible addition in the sense that uh, Eric Pastrana comes from Miami, has connections to one of the most talent-rich areas in the Southeast, um, and, you know, was instrumental in – recruiting at Oklahoma state. And then uh, even prior to that, at Stephen F Austin uh, where he was a recruiting coordinator. So I think we're talking about somebody that's a very good recruiter, kind of checks that Darius Nichols box. Also I checked the Darius Nichols box in the keep the locker room together kind of way from what I understood about him. And, and <clears throat> before I let you dive in on your thoughts on it, I will say it was interesting when he was hired, just the sheer number of messages that I got. And you, I know you talk to more people than I do, but uh, a lot of people just jumping in and how great addition to the staff. Uh, no one had anything bad to say about Eric Pastrana. Yeah, well, the only reason I might have had, you know, more people, you know, I was talking to more people because I had more just random people from various stages of basketball that all uh, messaged me saying like, oh, I love Eric Pastrana and guys that I'm like, where, like, what, where did you, and it was all like, of course, that like, oh, like that one tournament, that one time um, I met him, I coached against him, I stayed at the hotel as his team, like just all kinds of random stories, like guys from guys from Canada, guys from the Northwest, guys from the Southwest, um, guys just everywhere that I'm like, hey, that's awesome. I'm really glad to hear that. So like, where do you, where do you know Eric Pastrana from? And he's like, oh yeah, you know, like from this AAU thing. And uh, it's just crazy. Like um, uh, he really just does have that gift of relationship building. Um, it's just really apparent. Uh, luckily, I mean, he's a guy that I 
I, I don't want to, you know, pretend like I knew him super well, but a guy that I talked to um, a few times uh, when he was under under Dusty May at Florida Atlantic. So I'd had the opportunity to talk to him a couple of times then, obviously just really casually, just as um, so he's someone who loves basketball. I was someone who loved basketball, follow each other on Twitter. Let's talk about basketball. So nothing too serious, but um, just yeah, quickly, just like such a warm personality, so energetic and super outgoing. And that's, that's one thing that uh, I think is maybe, you know, maybe a good thing. I mean, I don't want to, make it sound like the fact that that Darius Nichols and Jordan Mincy were maybe a little bit more reserved. I actually think the fact that Darius Nichols is so reserved actually really helps him with a lot of high school kids because a lot of high school kids are reserved, at least the ones yeah. I've talked to. I mean, the, the ones that I have interviewed for Gator Country, I mean – 99 out of 100 i might put you know if i had to put on the spectrum of outgoing to reserve they'd be on the reserve side so i do think that that for that reason they connect to dare i'm not saying that being reserved is a bad thing for a coach or a recruit or anything like that um but it is going to be you know maybe kind of nice to have a, a little bit of a different personality eric pastrana just um so energetic so likable um and uh yeah i i i i've got to say too uh, with so much time elapsing between the job opening and um, making that first tire with, with Pastrana. Um, maybe the more time that elapsed, the more hesitation we might've felt in terms of like, Oh man, what's going on here. And maybe the more skepticism, um, I've got to say coming away with Eric Pastrana, uh, that was awesome. Uh, to be, you know, quite frank, I would say I liked him over a lot of the other names that were, um, that, you know, rumored for Florida to go after, maybe confirmed that Florida was going after. Um, Eric Pastrana would have been, you know, one of the top names on the list for me. I, I'm really happy that they were able to get him. Yeah, no, I would agree with with all that. Uh, you know, I thought just an absolute slam dunk um, of a choice. And, yeah, it will be nice to have somebody that that is that outgoing and on the staff. Uh, for the fans that uh, listen and, you know, don't know as much, I guess, a little background, a little more background. We talked about his time at Florida Atlantic with Dusty May. Um, <clears throat> he also was the head coach at Daytona State College. Um, so he's, he spent some time teaching uh, teaching and coaching at the junior college level. Uh, he was an assistant at FIU. Um, and then he was also an assistant under Brad Underwood at Stephen F. Austin, where they went on just a ridiculous run. Uh, where they not only advanced to the NCAA tournament uh, multiple times, Eric, but won games, including a, a – I think it was – we don't have a fact checker. You know, this is why we need, like, a producer and fact checker, like a Tona Reale type guy. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say one of the two largest Vegas upsets of the NCAA tournament – um, was the Stephen F. Austin, and they like blew them out. By the way, uh, blowout win over Press Virginia, and just a great West Virginia team, and just they just West Virginia just didn't even know what what hit them. Um, so he was on that staff in 2016, uh, staff that BVCU. They won 89 games uh, in three seasons, um, which is an NCAA record uh, for the most by any coaching staff in their first three seasons. Um, and then he has connections to Frank Martin, who, uh, you know, you're either you're either on the Malik Grady side of the Frank Martin debate or the Eric Fawcett and Neil Blackman side of the of the Frank Martin debate. There's not much in between, but I like having somebody that's from Miami that has connections to Frank because that means that you're ingratiated in Miami basketball, and that's a spot where, you know, when Florida was building the program up, Eric huge recruits came from that area, like really important players from Major Parker who we're all thinking of and praying for right now. Uh, he was from Fort Lauderdale, but still played AAU with the Miami guys to Brent Wright, to Udonis Haslam. Um, so just a lot of guys from from down in that area that were key. And, and hopefully Florida can start landing some of those people, especially as, as Coach L ponders retirement down in, in the Gables. I think, too, just the fact that uh... – uh, that Eric Pastrana has just been at so many levels coaching, like whether it was his days at junior college where he was, you know, really good and winning tons of games, or whether it was Stephen Austin, whether it was Florida Atlantic, uh, whether it was Oklahoma State, which is, you know, funny that we, of course, go to. Uh, um, Stephen F. Austin and, and Florida Atlantic before Oklahoma State and Cade Cunningham in terms of his coaching um, experience. Uh, but the fact that he has been at so many levels, like, again, that's why I think that, like, that's why I think that there has been 
um, there was so many people to reach out to, to you and me, Neil, just because like he's been at so many different levels. And there's there's one thing to like be just a, a high major assistant. Then there's a guy who's been a low mid and high major assistant and junior college head coach and AAU head coach. He's just been at so many levels. Um, yeah, his his Rolodex has got to be just you know massive. So I think that's <laughs> right. that, that's really cool. And uh, uh, I, again, it's just easy to see how he could. Um, find diamonds in the rough because that's what he's done at multiple sp- spots. And then it's easy to see how he can land um, the big players because that's what they did at Oklahoma state last year. And uh, again, just seeing uh, Pastrana's personality. Um, I just, you know, you, you know that he's going to be able to get those, uh, those top guys, or at least I, I feel like that's the case. So um, yeah, just more, more reasons why it was uh, seemingly a good hire, at least, uh, at least so far. Yeah. I mean, they, they had a huge recruiting class at Oklahoma state, his year as recruiting coordinator there last year, obviously landed Kate Cunningham. You can debate the intricacies of why that happened and, and how much Eric Pastrana had to do with that. I think Eric Pastrana would tell you less credit <laughs> is warranted for, for him on that end. But I think um, when you look at other pieces that they took in like Matthew Alexander Moncrief um, more credit, probably goes to him on that front. And, and what I would also add, Eric, and I don't think it's really been covered by anybody else. Um, not really patting myself on the back. When you have a Florida basketball pod, you're doing a lot more work than somebody just writing a like article about who you added to a staff. Right. Um, but you know, he had a hand in getting Tyreek Smith and, and Woody Newton to go to Oklahoma state before he left. And I think Mike Boynton, who obviously had that really gracious and, and kind Twitter post about him and, you know, basically called him his best friend uh, w- would certainly agree that he left Oklahoma state basketball better than he found it. Yeah, no kidding. And it, I still love to like, as you kind of mentioned right off the top, just about um, uh, how I tweeted out some of the clips that I found. Of course, I think a lot of people are looking at both of the hires and kind of thinking like, Hey, is this going to help, help the offense? Uh, that's something that uh, we probably need to be talked about. I know Neil, something that you were hearing behind the scenes is that they were looking for uh, an offensive coordinator, you know, something, something equating that. So uh, it's interesting to look at offense. So it was interesting for me to just go through all these Oklahoma city um, possessions and see a little bit of what they ran. And um one thing that's crazy is again, like you look at Cade Cunningham, who I think is just unbelievable. I think he is, you know, as good or even better than the hype. Uh, you think about like, oh, a team's probably going to treat that kind of like an NBA team would, where it's like you've got your star. Like now, let's let's surround them with shooting. But Oklahoma State could not shoot the basketball. Like they did not have a single good shooter on the floor outside of Cade Cunningham. So um, it wasn't like they were surrounding him with shooting. So to see the way that they crafted an offense that was, you know, pretty good. Um, I know a lot of people will be like, oh yeah, of course they're good. They, you know, they had Cade Cunningham, but it's like, well, you know, they they had a superstar, but they didn't really have the role players to surround him that you would at least prototypically want to put around a star like that. So uh, to see them use use him as a screener, to see them um, posting him up, to seeing that, um, you know, they didn't actually run a bunch of high ball screens for him because I think it was it was easy for him to get trapped out of that. And and again, ninety nine out of a hundred coaches would probably say like, hey, um, uh, high ball screen every time for Cade Cunningham, and they they, they did more than that and, and found other ways to utilize them. And um, you know, Cade Cunningham had a really awesome season. I think a lot of people are like, yeah, Cade Cunningham's awesome. He would go be awesome ever wherever he went. And it's like, I don't think that's the case. I think Oklahoma State did a fantastic job of utilizing him. Um, I think they did. Um, maybe not a great job of surrounding him with the talent that would really help him out. But uh, in terms of, you know, what they had on the roster, uh, which I guess they had a, a, you know, scholarship deduction due to uh, Lamont Evans. So, um, or the assistants. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. So I guess maybe, you know, surrounding with the talent was be, was more difficult, but um, again, I just wouldn't want people to say, Oh, of course they, they, you know, they found a way to score the basketball. They had Cade Cunningham. It's like, well, they didn't have the best pieces. I thought they did really good um, of using him. And uh, again, so for, him coming to Florida, a team that I think we can, you know, probably at least universally agree that, uh, or at least most people would be on the side of Florida has not been able to get the most out of their, their talent, particularly on the offensive end. Um, seeing what, you know, I, again, we, we're not sure just exactly how much Pastrana had exactly to do with it. Um, but his staff um, that he was on, I, I thought got, uh, got the best out of their talent on their team on the offensive end. And that's something that uh, I think Florida fans should be happy to hear. Yeah, so I was going to get into. I, I think that you know, there's plenty to be said on this podcast, and you'll hear from me on this offensive coordinator stuff. And it certainly is somebody. Florida talked to a lot of coaches um, 
for these vacancies is the first thing I'd point out. I, I over 15 people um, for two jobs, which is quite a few. Um, so kind of an indication that they were thorough. They talked to former head coaches. Um, they talked to a current head coach. They talked to multiple uh, hot name assistants. And, and these were the two that they ended up hiring. Um, and we'll get to, to the second hire in a minute, but what they get in Pastrana is the ace recruiter that kind of replaces that role for, for Darius uh, Nichols. But they also, I think, try to replicate his Nichols's locker room role, which is important. And then they get a, a guy that people really say is a developer. Like I, you know, texted Eric has his people. I, I talked to Frank Martin and asked, you know, what he thought of this guy that he had been affiliated with a long time ago. And, like all Frank said, like in all capitals was, oh, he makes players better. And I was kind of like, that's super interesting. So he does have this reputation as a player developer. Avery Anderson uh, played AAU ball for Jermaine O'Neal and Mo Williams, man. Like people that know how to get you better. And Avery Anderson says Eric Pastrana is the guy that developed him. That is the reason that he was kind of the the Robin to Cade Cunningham's Batman down the stretch at Oklahoma State. And Avery Anderson was not like a huge recruit, right? But he went from a guy that couldn't, you know, I can't even think of the expression. Uh, but he was he was shooting like Carlton and Fresh Prince of Bel Air and uh, ends up shooting 47% on the season. Not a great three point shooter, but they found ways to feed his strength as like a six, three guy that could win a dunk contest, right? Like that athletic. Um, and, you know, they found ways to put him in positions to succeed and taught him to how to play to those strengths, which was really a strength of Billy Donovan um, is finding out what a player's strength are and just coaching them to continually play to that strength. That's how Chandler Parsons went from, frustrating freshman to SEC player of the year. It's how Casey Prather went from frustrating freshman and sophomore to all SEC defensive team. Uh, you know, obviously those guys have to put in the work on their own. And Eric and I have talked a lot about that. And the time coaches spend with players is less now, Eric. Um, but for Avery Anderson to, to tell me that was kind of interesting. Just saying like, you know, I got so much better playing for him and I'm, I'm going to miss him. Um, you know, and by the end of the year, like I said, in February, March, Avery Anderson was averaging 20 points a game. And I think he's going to be on a lot of all Big 12 team lists, uh, kind of out of nowhere. And he credits Eric Pastrana with a lot of that. Yeah, I, as, as much as I always kind of say that, yeah, I think that so much of player development is like on the player. And I probably see the coaching role in it less than a lot of people uh, do. I mean, Clearly, things have not been going great at Florida on the player development front. Um, right. So maybe that's the players they're targeting and, and they're not doing the work. I think that plays uh, at least some of a role, perhaps but, uh, more with, with some players than others. Uh, or yeah. maybe it is something the coaches are doing or not doing. But uh, whatever the case has been, I, I don't think that player development has been something that has been a, a gold star for the program. So, you know, wh whatever is causing that. Um, I, it's, it's definitely nice to see a guy that, uh, that has had success doing it at multiple levels. Um, I'd also like to point out that like, yeah, even at Florida Atlantic, just, I, I just, you know, kind of go back to that. Cause that's a team that I've been watching since, since Tessie May has been, mm -hmm. been there. Uh, yeah, not, not super talented. And while it's not like they've been a killer program down there, anything like I, their talent is, is this, this, some of their talent is, is, is less than, than how they have been doing. I'll, t I'll tell you that much. So I do think that there was good, some good development while, while he was there there. So yeah, for multiple programs to, to see players getting better, um, to see them maximizing their talent, wherever he's been at. Um, yeah, I, again, I just, I keep coming back to like, that's, I think that's something a Florida fan should be very happy to hear considering the, uh, the seasons we've had in games over the last couple of years. Yeah. And I think he's also well suited to coach old teams. You know, when I looked at, some of his stops. I mean, that's what made Stephen F. Austin so tough is that they were, they were kind of old and salty and full of dudes with chips on their shoulders. And I kind of looked at that and I was like, man, cause you know, a lot of those lumberjack kids were like not recruited by the schools that they ended up beating up on for three years. Um, like I guarantee you none of that. Well, I shouldn't say guarantee. I'm relatively confident that zero of them had West Virginia scholarship offers when they boat raced <laughs> them out of the NCAA tournament. Um, 
you know, so I don't know. I just think it's a really good fit. Uh, and, you know, it's also nice to when you lose two pl- coaches of the caliber of Mincy and Nichols, one of whom is considered one of the best recruiters in the country. And I don't want to pigeonhole Darius. I think we've said over and over again that he's a lot more than that, but certainly a huge strength of his is how he resonates in living rooms. And Eric Pastrana is, is that kind of guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, does not maybe in a little bit of a different way uh, with his uh, <laughs> more outgoing kind of nature. But uh, uh, yeah, I think for people who are, you know, maybe right, rightfully concerned with, with where Florida's recruiting was, was going to go losing, losing those guys. I, I definitely think, uh, yeah, you get, um, you get Eric Pastrana. Um, I think that's going to, uh, yeah, that should, that should make people feel a lot better. And, um, you know, I, another thing I'd like to add too is like, uh, Oklahoma state pays their assistance a ton. Um, uh, again, yeah. like Lamont, Lamont Evans before he, uh, uh, before his time ended, I mean, he was making like upwards of $700,000 a year. Um, they've had multiple assistants make, and again, they've had multiple assistants over the last decade make over $500,000 a year. Um, Eric Pastrana was making three hundred. dollars I found. Um, so obviously we know that was a little bit less than um, what Darius Nichols and uh, and Jordan Mincy were making. Um, but obviously they have been with Florida longer than Eric Pastrana had been at Oklahoma State. Um, mm. But um, it is fairly, I, I, I would say that based off how much Oklahoma state has paid their assistance in the past uh, money would not be an issue in them keeping Eric Pastrana. Like I think if Eric Pastrana was like, I want to make, you know, this, this amount of money, Oklahoma state would probably pay it because again, yeah, they have paid a whole lot to their assistance over the last, uh, the last 10 years. So um, that also would suggest to me that he, you know, like wants to be a Florida. I mean, everything about his actions has said that, but there are a lot of assistants who are mercenaries looking for, um, the next, you know, biggest payday or leverage the offers you have for, for more money. Um, I would say that, yeah, if he liked how things were going at Oklahoma state, they just, they had a good season. Um, and they'd probably pay him. Uh, well, I would say they'd probably pay him more than Florida. They've uh, been paying more than Florida for assistance for a long time now. So, um, if he was truly just, you know, wanted to be comfortable and, and make a lot of money, Oklahoma state probably would have been awesome. So, uh, there's definitely, um, he definitely wanted to be a, be a Gator. He definitely wanted to be in the state of Florida. Um, and uh, again, it's not like Florida had to twist his leg to come there. At least I'd, I'd have to imagine uh, based on that. Yeah. I mean, when we, um, we won't know until sunshine, the sunshine laws are good because we'll be able to see what they're paying him because he's a state employee now, but uh, in Florida, but that doesn't roll over for a couple months. I, I'm, I'm willing to wager that Florida paid a premium, um, but to Eric's point, I doubt that they paid more than Oklahoma State could pay. So he's made a choice to come back home and uh, to coach at what he calls one of the elite programs in college basketball. And for a guy that's been around to kind of characterize Florida as that, uh, I think is instructive. It, it just tells people what the perception of, of Florida as a program is in the industry. Um to some extent, I think, Eric, whether whatever their opinions are of Michael White, their opinions of the program and the job remain very high. That's a, that's a great point, too. And I think that obviously that was something that was debated amongst amongst Florida fans um, and a lot of people on the extreme side of, of both of that spectrum from um, – you know, like, you know, we should be winning a championship every year and anyone who doesn't bring that should be, should be fired to, um, wow, Florida better not ever lose a coach ever because they're not going to be able to hire anyone because no one wants to come. You know, we've heard it. We've heard it all year at the podcast and I don't even have access <laughs> to the Florida basketball hour DM. So Neil, I can't even imagine what, what you're saying. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Eric Pastrana is a guy that I think could coach anywhere. Really. Uh, you know, his, his connections, his personality, um, I'm I'm sure he was picking from a host of jobs and and obviously chose Florida. So uh, again, lots to, lots to love um, as Gator fans seeing how this, uh, this came about. Yep. So that, that's the, I don't want to call that the sunshine portion of the podcast, but let's get into Akeem McSteen, who uh, is the other assistant that was hired. Um, Another connection to Dusty May, Eric. Yeah, Dusty May was uh, the search search firms getting a lot of play on college basketball Twitter the last uh, the last few days, and um, looks like Florida went to the the Dusty May search firm a little bit. So, um, yeah, definitely an interesting one. I mean, man, if you'd have told me at the start of uh, the process that Florida was going to get a Conference USA assistant, I'd be intrigued. Um, hearing Florida Atlantic, um, 
definitely a little bit, little bit surprising. I mean, it was one of the times where, uh, you know, I heard the name floated out there as many people did. And, uh, it was like, well, that's an interesting one for sure. Um, and then, you know, a, a day, day or two later it, it happened and there was definitely a, I don't want to say shock. That wouldn't be maybe totally fair, but there was definitely some intrigue in not just, you know, I think a lot of people were expecting, uh, you know, a high major assistant to jump from one high major job to another. And that was not this, that's for sure. Well, I mean, the thing is that, you know, we had really heard for a couple of weeks that Christian Webster for Virginia Tech was like a certainty. And, um, you know, that wasn't just me. It was Eric. It was me. It was everybody that covered Florida basketball, really. Uh, not just Eric Fawcett and Neil Blackman. So this all happened very quickly. Like whatever, whether or not Fawcett, Iron Fawcett, whether or not uh, Christian Webster decided, we'd love to have Eric Fawcett at Florida <laughs> on the staff. Um, whether or not Christian Webster decided he didn't want to be on the staff or Florida backed off or however that happened, the news went from Christian Webster is not is going to remain at Virginia Tech to Miss Dean being hired very, very quickly, Eric. Um, and other names that have been out there, uh, Adam Cohen, another ace recruiter type, uh, although one without many ties to the state of Florida in particular, definitely a lot of ties to Texas. Uh, and then Chris Acker, who was a name that they had broached uh, very early on about coaching offense at Florida. Um, they did not circle back um, to him. I don't think he wanted to move his family across the country from Compton, California, to being from Compton and being pretty comfortable in San Diego and just kind of a California guy. I get it. You got to do what's best for your family. Um, but – wasn't just those names that that made hiring a conference USA coach surprising to me, Eric. It was that, you know, there were quote unquote mid major uh, assistants that had and head coaches that had ties to the University of Florida uh, that probably, to me at least, checked this box of could you bring some offensive concepts and ideas to the job. Um, right off the top, Eddie Shannon. Uh, who I think unfortunately didn't get a formal interview. Um, Brett Nelson, who I think for the right amount of money would probably have left a very difficult job at Holy Cross to, to come to Florida. Um, so that in that respect, I think a little bit surprising just how quickly it happened. But then again, we record on Memorial Day and, and basketball coaches are the first revenue sport to get contact with athletes uh, starting tomorrow. Yeah. How did you feel about that? Like, do you feel uh, I, I may be hinting at my particular, you know, maybe feeling, but did you feel that uh, the fact that it seemed to come together so quickly a couple days before recruiting opened up, did that reek of desperation to you at all? Or do you think that that's just, uh, just so happened that that's um, the way things kind of shook out that when they happened to, to interview him and offer him a contract to him, except do you think uh, there was anything to do with Florida really pushing to get something done in time for, uh, for June 1st? You know, initially I kind of felt that way and I have a lot of thoughts on this particular hire, um, but I didn't, in the end, I didn't think that was particularly compelling. And the only reason why is because if Florida had called and interviewed Eddie Shannon or they had called and had extensive discussions with Brett Nelson or they had, uh, you know, asked Scott Strickland to open up the checkbook for Chris Acker or, or you know, Andy Kennedy, whoever. Um, I don't think Andy Kennedy was leaving UAB after a 20-something win season. No, no way. No, nope. uh, he had a great year there. Um, but you get the point. Like those guys would have been, they could have gotten the job in the same timeline. So I don't think Florida was like, oh, we know we can get this guy and we'll hire him in two days. Like, I don't think that that was a thing. But I do think, you know, that Mike White very quickly went from, oh, we don't play until November to like, oh, we have contact on June 1st. And, it's hard to have a workout guy because that's how staffs traditionally work. There's a guy that's working people out, connecting with players and stuff, um, doing that in the off season. Right. And when they're allowed to have contact and then uh, there's other guys, like there's a triage of 
of how recruiting goes down. And I think they wanted a full staff to, to hit the road recruiting because one consequence of getting old and staying old is they still have to do the stay old part, but they've also got to recruit some high school kids. That's true. I mean, I'm sure they're going to go with the portal hard again next year, but yeah, at some point, I, or we're not at some point, I'm sure they would like to sprinkle in some, uh, um, so, some, uh, some high school names and, and they're after some good ones. So, uh, in, in 2022. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, it, it was hard to like, not think about that for me. I, I think I'm kind of with you. I don't think that after really like, like you said, after being like, well, we don't play until November. I don't think that the panic would, would set in to really be like, Oh, we better make a hire before June 1st. I think yeah. that, I think that, um, yeah, I, I think Mike White is smart enough to know that making a panic hire um, is just not a wise thing to do. And and on the contrary, I think that hiring Miss Dean was a extremely confident hire, which would not reek of desperation. I would say, I mean, uh, if you go and get like whatever high major assistant, average high major assistant, that would say, uh, you know, that, that fans would be like, Oh, well, at least it's a high major assistant makes sense. Um, all good. I mean, you can make a mistake that way. And I think that he probably knew that hiring a Florida Atlantic assistant who's ever been at the high major level, that's not going to, you know, win the headline. And I think he probably knew that. And um, so I think it showed a lot of confidence from Mike White. And, you know, this is something that I really do believe and it's something I have to kind of stick to, but like, yeah, I really think that there's a lot of the brightest minds and smartest coaches and best coaches are not at the high major level they're at the mid major levels. And there's just so many, there, there's just so many stories where a guy was able to be a manager in high or in, in college because his dad gave a certain amount of money. And then because he was a manager, the, that and, and was, you know, able to afford not working for a year, they needed a graduate assistant. So he got to be the graduate assistant. Then the team was hiring a Dobo. So they hired the guy that's been in the, the gym for five years with them. So then he's a Dobo and then an assistant opens up and then it's like, well, this guy's been at this high major program as a manager and Dobo for and graduate assistant for six years. Let's get him on there. And then someone says, Oh, well, look, he got on that. He, he was there for a while. And, and, and you just see these guys that just like get their foot in the door once and then they're set forever. And there's some great stories of that and guys that got, you know, really, uh, that are really intelligent basketball minds because they had that experience. But man, I've got to say there's, there is one thing that has just never failed to astound me. Um, obviously it's not like I'm some huge deal in college basketball, but you know, through covering the Gators and tweeting a lot about basketball, there's, and, and some of the draft stuff I do and some of the other projects I do, I've had the chance to talk to, um, you know, more, more and more high major coaches and assistants all the time, um, or not just high major assistants, college basketball assistants, but man, I've got to tell you, it has been shocking to me the amount of high major assistants I've talked to for basketball things and came away thinking like, wow, I do not think this high major coach knows that much about basketball. And maybe <laughs> that is my extreme. Maybe that's like my arrogance. Um, part of it's my arrogance. Um, I'm, I'm sure that plays somewhat of a role, but there are a whole lot of high major assistants where I come away talking to, talking to them and I'm like, man, I don't think this is – a very smart basketball guy. And then there's been some, some junior college coaches, some division two coaches, some, some coaches in Canada that, that I come away listening to them and, and, or talking to them. And and I think they're absolutely brilliant. And I, I do just truly, truly, truly believe that there's a lot of awful high major assistants out there that are way better promoters than they are coaches. And I think that there are a lot of guys that aren't as good um, promoters or, you know, um, maybe don't have the right skin color to, to get their foot in the door at first and um, are really brilliant basketball minds. And um, for that reason, I know that there are a lot of people that looked at a hire like this and just immediately was like, you know, what, what is Mike White doing and looking at it as an excuse to continue to bag on a program that they've already bagged on. Um, I, I am going to approach it with a good amount of patience because it is my true belief that um, a lot of the best coaches right now are at the mid-major and low-major level, and uh, maybe Florida got one of those guys. So, uh, ho uh, again, a lot of people that, that really reached out when, when the Gators hired him and said, wow, Florida, you know, Florida really got a good one. A lot of guys from Chicago, where he's from, um, said he was awesome. Um, uh, some high-major coaches actually told me that um, they were trying to get him on, on, on their high-major staff and their head coach um, wouldn't go for it or didn't go when the other direction. I thought that was really interesting. A lot of people, um, not Eric Pastrana level, cause that was just, you know, the, the highest tier of, of people reaching out to say they loved him. But, uh, but a lot of people, a lot of people vouch for him. Um, a lot of people think he's a bright basketball mind. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting to know him and it's how he likes to, to play basketball. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of my, my view. And, uh, 
I, I would say, I guess it's an optimistic one that I'm going in with and uh, we'll, we'll see if it gets um, um, proven right or proven wrong. Yeah. I mean, look, um, so my, my, my initial take on this is different than the one I have on a Monday night after a few days to think about it. Um, on the, on the one side, I am frustrated that Florida needs to run better things offensively. I think any evaluation of, of Florida basketball in the last couple seasons uh, proves that I'm correct about this. Um, I have been writing that I think Florida needed to hire an assistant who had an influx of offensive ideas. And I don't think that either of these assistants is really necessarily that guy. Eric Pastrana may be, there's nothing in Akeem Mixteen's at least history or background that suggests that that's what he is. Um, that doesn't mean that, that he's bad. And I'm going to get to that. It just means that in my view, I can't give like the Florida assistants, if I was going to give out a letter grade, I certainly can't give them an A because I don't think they address the most glaring need on the staff um, with, with either of these hires. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure if the staff listens, they will be irritated by that. And, uh, you know, what does this guy know? And that's totally fair. Um, you know, if, if that's what they think, that's, that's okay. Um, but I think, I think Florida has to get more crisp and improve from an efficiency standpoint offensively. And more importantly, they need to be doing things that are more well-suited to what their players' strengths are offensively, which I thought they didn't do defensively the year before this. I thought they did a little more of that this year, and they just were limited because Keontae got hurt in a lot of ways. Uh, that really disrupted what they would look like defensively, Eric. But I didn't think – I thought a lot of the stuff they did this year was not necessarily – as well suited to what they probably could be doing, particularly their usage of, of Noah Locke and to some extent their usage of Colin Castleton, um, which I'm sure people will be surprised to hear because he was second team all SEC, but I thought they put him in some very difficult spots uh, offensively. And this is just something I think fresh ideas would have been good. Um, and they didn't go and get anybody that I think necessarily has a track record of those ideas, the key word being track record. That said, in the what does Neil know, flip side to that, Eric, Mike White does value staff uh, chemistry. He values the way that a staff kind of fits together. And here you have Pastrana, Mistine, they have Dusty May connections. There's probably a lot of comfort and familiarity there. Um, and you also have two guys who have reputations as sort of guys that bond with players, which isn't necessarily the Al Pinkins or, or Mike White rap. Um, so you get a nice balance there. Not that Mike doesn't care about his players. I think we all saw that that's not true this year, but get the point I'm making. Um, you know, so I think that's staff continuity thing. And then, uh, you know, I like the way you put it, Eric. It is a confident hire. As it says, I know what I want my staff to look like. And I trust the basketball people I've talked to. And they say that this guy is excellent and we're going to give him a shot. Now, um, you know, maybe your thoughts on that before I get to some other points. Yeah, again, I mean, I, I, I'm glad you, you liked how I put it. I thought it was because I, I really do think it's a confident hire. Because, again, I think it, like if it was like, you know, Florida hires insert high major team assistant blank. Um, there'd be a lot of people that would say like, okay, great. He did his job, you know, got a, got a high major assistant um, or got one based, you know, exclusively on like get the most, ex you know, experienced guy you can, you can. And then, you know, someone could sell, Oh, you know, Mike White gets a guy with, you know, 15 years in the big 12 or whatever. Um, right. yeah, that would certainly, there'd be a lot of people that would um, especially ones that don't cover or don't, sorry, don't cover, don't watch the uh, college basketball that closely who would be like, great, that checks my boxes, um, you know, needed experience, whatever. Um, and I, obviously I think that, you know, white probably knows that, that it wasn't a hire that people are going to be like, wow, you know, hit that one out of the park. So uh, I, it is, it is kind of, it's almost like um, when they came first came to Florida and they started recruiting based off recruiting rankings and then realized that um, that wasn't uh, the best for them. And they were going to going to miss on, on, on some recruits and uh, have some misevaluations if they go based on, uh, on rankings um, versus their feel. And I would say that that was a little bit of, of, of this, this hire. They did not go for the, 
you know, five, five-star athlete who hasn't yet figured out how to play the game of basketball, but is a five-star player because he's just, you know, six foot seven and athletic. Uh, they went to got the guy that they thought would fit. So um, I, I also think that um, for all these new players, I mean, they're going to see connections and, and um, kind of feel at home quickly. And I think if those, those connections weren't there and if they, I, I think the kids can just um, kids, I mean, Florida's, you know, bringing all these transfers that are old. I just call them kids, but I think, I think he's, these adults can, can totally tell when there's, you know, cohesion and, and, and they can tell when there's, there's comfort from, from coach to coach. And um, it's not going to be coaches feeling each other out as much. And I think that'll matter for, again, when you're bringing in so many new players and, and figuring out exactly how they're going to play. Um, yeah. That's, um, that, 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 that's something that's, uh, that I, you know, I feel a little bit more confident about versus again, some of these, retread mid or high major assistance that um uh that again i will i will say again might be uh better promoters than they are coaches yeah uh, so you know i think all that's pretty fair the other thing i would point out and i don't know um I'm trying to think of how to well let's just put it this way so like eric pastrana to some extent and maybe even more than eric pastrana actually um, you know, this is a guy that that has pretty much been with winners wherever he's coached. Um, you know, at Hampton, they kind of dragged the program out of that used to be a program that was really, really competitive in their league, low major league, sure, whatever. Um, but one big league, and then they they end up in the NCAA tournament with him on staff. He goes to Kent State under Rob Sinderoff, and uh, they're pretty darn good and and played a brutal schedule, which Ford always does, and and won a lot of games, went to the NCAA tournament. Goes to FAU, and, you know, I think he leaves FAU, even with Keenan Blackshear departing, like I think that they have their most talented roster they've had under Dusty May coming back next year. Um, so – you know, a talented team that, that just finished fifth and conference USA, like things are looking up. So another guy that seems to improve places where he's at, uh, which is something to, to take away at least initially. Oh, that's a great point too. Kent state was a team that um, I think definitely like looking at how they, they did in those uh, years. It's kind of interesting because uh, like the mid American is one of those conferences. That's always a little bit better than you like, than you think like it's, it's, um, uh, I guess, like, I bet if you looked at Ken Palm, they'd be kind of in that 13 to 15-ish range where, like, I think that a lot of people would think they're in that, like, you know, 20-ish range. So they're, they're always a little bit better than you think, uh, maybe propped up by especially how, good, you know, Buffalo's been in the, the Nate Oates and even after. Um, but, yeah, so that, that conference has always been a little bit better than you think. And Kent State's always been, like, you know, in the topper – or always. Um, uh, since he was there, um, has been kind of, uh, yeah, a, a pretty good team. So it's a, it's a pretty good spot. There's no question. And um, – uh, I also, uh, I also, like you said, like, I do think they're leaving the Florida Atlantic like this. This is a much more talented roster than it's been the last couple of years. Um, yeah. Even losing Keenan Blackshear, um, Carlos Sillins, this big man they had, he's uh, going to go back home to, to Europe to play pro. That was a huge hit. He was super good, but yeah, they, they're, they're bringing in talents and, um, I'm interested to see what happens. I mean, I, I do think that looking at some of the stuff, well, actually, well, I, I, one of the things I tweeted out very much love that they actually uh, use screens for shooters a lot. That's one thing that I'm really hoping that he takes from Florida Atlantic to, uh, well, I say, I hope he brings it to Florida Atlantic from, uh, or to Florida from Florida Atlantic. But I think Mike, you know, is probably familiar with what Dusty May is doing. So maybe a mix of <laughs> Dusty May and uh, Miss Dean has to, has to say, Hey, can we, uh, you know, run, run some of these, these shooters off, off handoffs into, into fade screens and, and try to get some threes because, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about this many times between now and November, but I need to get Myron Jones off, off those screens. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, Neil, that's a really, uh, that's a really smart point just to see that. Um, yeah. Different leagues. Um, he's always, always left them better than, than when he came in. Yeah. And I mean, look, they, um, when, when Dusty May came in for Michael Curry, I mean, that program was not in the best shape and, uh, they still haven't had a losing season under Dusty May, and and people are like, well, that's not that big a deal. Well, at FAU, it kind of was because they had gone eight and twenty five and nine and twenty one before they hired uh, Dusty May. So they immediately are now over five hundred every year. Um, and you know, Miss Dean's been a part of that now. Um, obviously, Pastrana's been a part of that. So 
what they're building, I think is something that is tangible that Mike White could trust. Um, and I do think, you know, you have to be confident in your hires. You also have to trust your hires when you know that there's more that you can do at your school. And I think that's where Mike really was with, with these hires. He just lost not only two of the better regarded assistants in the country, but he lost two of his closest friends. And so I think that trust factor probably played a role in it. Um, what I would say about Bistine that I also think is interesting is, you know, again, Eric talks to more people, more people are reaching out to DM Eric and get his thoughts on stuff than my thoughts on things. But um, I would say that I did have a handful of folks that, that reached out and they just said, you know, Hey, this guy is really, really works hard. Like he is first at the office, last to leave the office. Um, and I think all that's great uh, because that was kind of Jordan Mincy's reputation. And that's how I would tie it. Like if Pastrana is kind of the natural fill in for uh, Nichols, maybe McSteen becomes the the kind of Mincy character on the staff who is the guy that's the grinder that works his butt off all the time, a little bit like Mike White in that respect. And what Mike's reputation was as an assistant, that's fine. Um, but I think that's a good reputation to have. The other big reputation that I that I that I've read is that he's considered a, a kind of a, considered a player development guru, which I think is really interesting because it means that Florida brought in two guys who are well known in the industry for how they develop kids. Yeah, that's uh, that's something I think we're going to keep going back to a whole bunch. Um, just uh, th- th- that development factor, and uh, again, we're gonna we're gonna need to see a quick like uh, that's going to be kind of one of the storylines as we are transitioning in a couple months here to you know previewing the season is like we need to figure out exactly how Florida is going to play, and um, uh, with all these different players and figuring out a style that's going to get the most out of them, and and a roster that again like like I kind of mentioned about Oklahoma State, I didn't think their pieces fit super well. I don't think they were able to surround Cade Cunningham as as good as they would you know hope. Um, I think that you look at Florida that I don't think the pieces fit you know like super super well in terms of like it's not like here's the our defined point guards and our defined shooting guards and our defined small forwards and our defined power forwards like there's like we've kind of mentioned I think we've got a lot of a lot of shooting guards on the Gators that are not necessarily combo guards not really guys that are that are wings like got a lot of guys that you would call like you know true shooting guards so to see exactly how they're they're going to come together I'm very interested and in, and I do think that you that you know Strana coming off uh, how do you how do you play around Cade Cunningham with guys that don't shoot the basketball? Um, and uh, for for Mistine, like how do we play at Florida Atlantic without high level talent? And um, it, it's I think that that's going to be valuable information where when they are you know looking at a whiteboard and looking at film of their players and saying like okay how you know how are we going to play basketball this year? Having those uh, those different uh, those different influences, I, I think that that's going to be big. Yeah, no, I think that's that's true. And, and you know, I'm hoping that whatever they come up with, it's not we need to reinstall a new offense again in January because then the conversation we're having today where I lament that they kind of missed that opportunity of, of bringing in the offensive coordinator, but then also, um, you know, am willing to be patient with things and, and see how it all pans out. Like that's really going to frustrate and I think if it frustrates me, it's going to frustrate our listeners and Florida fans even more. So I do think that they, you know, that's that's something that we need to dive into. Um, they're going to dive into recruiting tomorrow. Another interesting thing that's happening is the schedule is kind of coming together. Uh, and I did want to get your thoughts because I know it's been a game I've wanted to see for a couple of years. And so, you know, I, uh, I clapped my hands and took off work when I saw um, that Florida – uh, I'm gonna have to like write a lot about football this year to make money for these trips, man. But um, <laughs> uh, we need to get that podcast merch out. That's for that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, <laughs> but but Florida's gonna play Maryland up at the Barclays Center, and you know I think that's gonna be just a fabulous basketball game. Um, a couple teams that you know, while the the country, a lot of writers aren't very high on on the Gators. Uh, there are some Evan Maya, Bart Torvik, some analytics that, that are a little higher on them. 
Um, like even without Keontae Johnson, Bartorvik has Florida on the edge of the top 20. They have Maryland in the top 15, which I think is a little bit high. Um, but still, two teams that both got to the second round last year. Obviously, Florida a little closer to the Sweet 16 than, than Maryland was getting just destroyed by Alabama. Um, that, but, you know, that happens. If Alabama shoots 60% from three-point range, you will, you will lose by many points. Um, but, man, everybody pretty much came back for the Terps. Aaron Wiggins, Eric Ayala, good team. Yeah, well, you know who I'm gonna just hate playing against is is Fats Russell, the uh, the Rhode yeah. Island transfer, who is uh, I won't put this uh, politely a, a noted flopper. Um, that's just gonna be a player that is gonna be uh, maybe a little bit frustrating to to play against. But uh, yeah, and then they got Wahab, one of the one of the bright spots from Georgetown, big man. Um, so yeah, definitely a, a pretty talented roster. But yeah, Neil, I totally remembered that. I, I forget if it was like I don't know two years ago or last year when it was kind of like, hey, what's uh, what's a non-conference opponent that uh, you would love to see? I know you said Maryland. Um, I know it's been a long time since they played. I remember looking it up on the podcast. I don't remember when it was. It was early two thousands, I think. So uh, definitely cool to have that game, and I think probably pretty cool that it's uh, that you're obviously playing that in 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 you know New York. So uh, uh playing at a Barclays, I mean that's also a pretty cool, pretty cool venue. There's no question. And um around the around the holidays, I think that that's uh yeah, that's probably a place that uh, that you want to be up there. So uh, that uh, I hope you get to that one and uh, that would be a that'd be a super fun one. It just seems like uh yeah stars are going to align for a super fun, super fun one there. Yeah no looking forward to it. Um you know Mark Turchin is kind of the uh, ACC Mike White, right? Like the fan base. Uh isn't necessarily the fan base is divided just like they are on, on white at Florida fan base at Maryland is, is in between. And yet when you look at the numbers, you're kind of like, what, what are you really wanting to do? Like they're pretty good. Um, You know, they, they're, they're in the NCAA tournament a whole lot. Uh, They're playing games to go to the second weekend a lot. Uh, You know, what, what are your kind of thoughts on, on that, on, on Mark Turgeon basketball. Well, I, I mean, Mark Turgeon basketball is just another kind of reminder that like the way you do things um, matters. I mean, he's not a likable personality I, or I said that pretty matter of factly. Um, a lot of people like myself don't find him to be a super likable personality. And he's went off at his fans for um, different things, whether it's uh, support or the, them being, being critical. He's kind of like, told his fans to shut up a lot. He's not, uh, yeah, just, I, I, I think that that kind of matters. I do think another, it's another like reminder that I think that um, optics kind of matter when it comes to like, you know, like it's one thing to lose in the NCAA tournament, but like, how do you lose in the NCAA tournament? Like, is it get, absolutely boat raced by Alabama like yeah that leaves a bad taste in, in in people's mouth or you know get it get embarrassed by you know Wisconsin a couple of years ago too so I I think that that's it's another thing that like is really interesting again if we're gonna have to make this parallel to, to Florida it's like Florida hasn't had that moment in the NCAA tournament where they've got dominated in a game you you really thought they should win like yeah losing to oral roberts was was really rough there's 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 no question but obviously oral roberts showed that they could play with some pretty good schools but yeah maryland has just kind of went into to postseason play and um had some embarrassing losses and i think that that's one of those things that just like is just a reminder of like how those losses just like really leave a bad taste in people's mouth that uh it takes a long time to earn that trust back so um I, I, I've got to say, yeah, seeing some of those antics from, from a Mark Turgeon sometimes and that maybe may, don't make him the, the warmest, most inviting personality, uh, it is something that makes me very happy for, uh, uh, for to, to have Mike White at Florida and now Eric Pastrana, who's also very likable. Yeah, it's pretty interesting that, that you know, there are guys like our, our buds at uh, Three Man Weave that are kind of like, oh, you know, Mark Turgeon is a little bit of uh, – he's like ACC Mike White. And um, it's like they really couldn't be any more different from a personality perspective. Yeah. Uh, but but there is this kind of uh, situation where the results don't necessarily ha- – at Maryland, they haven't made a change um, because that's a tough change to make um, given what they're accomplishing. And at Florida, I think probably for more reasons they haven't made a change. So I don't know. It's going to be an interesting, an interesting one. The other basketball games in that uh, NC state's going to play Purdue, um, which, uh, you know, I don't know how good a game that will be, but uh, anybody that makes a trip 
you know, it's always fun to see the fighting Matt Painters play basketball. Um, you know, talk about a team that runs great offense. I'll shoot some video for you, Eric. And then, uh, oh, yeah. and then uh, Ricky Patino. Nothing better than Rick Patino in Brooklyn in December, baby. Oh man, you, you, I, I, I'm, I'm imagining him in another, you know, big cream-colored suit for the for the holidays. So that's a. Uh, That'll be uh, that'll be something wild. I, I that's something that you're definitely if you if you go down for that game you're gonna you're gonna have to stick around for that one whenever that is in the the quadruple header. Uh, but yeah, diff, interesting event. Yeah, Purdue definitely one of my favorite teams to watch year to year, and I think NC State is like one of my like least favorite teams to watch year to year. So that's uh, that's gonna be one that will be um, could land anywhere on the spectrum. But yeah, I, I think Purdue is just so fun to watch. So that'll be that'll be you know maybe worth it just to see them play. Yeah, no, a couple of years ago at the Garden before uh, Florida and West Virginia played a game that set basketball back five decades. Um, had to watch uh, Notre Dame and Oklahoma. And it was the same deal. Like, I loved watching Lon Kruger's teams play. And it was just so painful to watch a Mike Bray team. Like, <laughs> just brutal basketball. Um, so, anyway, that was five hours of my life I'll never get back. But I did get to chat with Scotty Lewis a lot, which – Yes, there's that. It's always nice to talk to him about anything, basketball, life, whatever. Uh, you know, so always good. So we'll leave the show with this question for Eric Fawcett from from Sarah in Tampa, which is, um, yeah, I guess she's decided to stop trolling Neil Shulman for a little bit on Twitter.com. Who? This is why we didn't want her on the app, Eric. I want. She, <laughs> I wanted her on the app. I, I yeah. But I guess this she's, is a, <laughs> she's a force of nature. Um, but, but she asked, uh, have Eric Fawcett tell it to us straight. Mincy and Nichols left. Where's your – is it too early to say that the Florida staff got better? Ooh. Oh, man, Sarah. Uh, is it too early to say? Um, yeah, I do think it's too early to say. Like I said, I think that Miss Dean is, is such a confident hire, and I think that it's one where um, – it's one that I really hope works out. And, and uh, not only cause I just obviously want him to work out of Florida, um, but also cause yeah, I just, I, I will stand by thinking that there's just so many of these mid major assistants that are way better than a bunch of high major assistants and just have not had the same breaks. So really hope that works out, but um, to call it now um, that they've gotten better. Um, I would, I would have to say, uh, I would have to say, no, I do think it's a little too early. What do you think, Neil? Yeah, too early for me. Um, I do think that from a recruiting perspective, they got better. Uh, we'll see about the other stuff. Um, and I, and I, I mean that with the immensest of immense amount of respect for Jordan Mincy. But, um, you know, I went on Stadium and Gale. Shout out to those guys for, for having me. Uh, I guess Eric wasn't available, so <laughs> – they got me on, and uh, one thing I said was, uh, it's just me making fun of myself tonight on Florida Basketball Hour, y'all. Um, but, you know, one thing I said, which I am convinced is true, is that Jordan Mincy is a lot of things. Like, an elite recruiter is not one of them. Um, and I think he's a very good talent evaluator. Uh, but I think, like, when Florida needed to close on people, like it was other people that did that job, right? Like Jordan Minsey <laughs> found Niles Lane and then was like, yo, Mike and Darius, get this done. <laughs> and then he like tweeted sleep well, right? Like, but uh, so I think Florida will be better with a guy who they basically hired two recruiting coordinators. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting note. And uh which again is interesting because I, I, again, it's also interesting because again, I can look at Florida Atlantic and I can look at Oklahoma state and I can look at how they play basketball. And then I can be like, Oh, this is interesting, but it also, you never know what is their, their real influence in, in those exact things. But uh, it's, it's definitely like, you know, the, the, Hey, there's a, whatever, there's a chance that they're, a better fit, you know, X and O's wise playing off of what Mike white thinks. Um, and if you think that they're they might be better, you know, upgrading recruiting wise, like yeah, it could definitely work out that these these hires were were definitely uh, ended up working really uh, a lot better. But yeah, sorry, Sarah, I just cannot be uh, cannot be so bold as to call it uh, right now. I don't think. No, I just love that. That's a question. Like, I mean, because <laughs> I think that if I'm a fan, that's a totally fair question to ask. Like, okay, 
you've just lost two assistants who have been with the program since you showed up as the coach. You know, are you a better program now, even though they left? And it, we don't know. I don't think we know. Um, I think we know from a personnel. I think Eric and I are, I will speak for Eric for the first time on this podcast and say, I think we are better from a personnel standpoint than Florida was last year. I think this is a more balanced roster. Did I, did I speak out of turn? It's, I, well, I almost want to take this to a completely unrelated, but only slightly related uh, conversation. <laughs> I, know, I know you're trying to end the podcast, but no, no, no. I, say, I am. Hmm. There's a whole lot of people that have just been speaking for like months now that it's like a certain thing that Colin Castleton is coming back. I have never been sold on that. I'm not saying that I think that Colin Castleton will be gone, but I, I, I think there's a very realistic possibility that he does go pro. And I think that it's just really interesting that, you know, he's had a lot, he has a lot of NBA workouts lined up. I think it's just really interesting that people are looking at a guy who wants to go to NBA workouts and, to make a judgment call on what you think he's planning on doing before he has said workouts. Um, I think that that's, um, yeah, I just, I, I'm just not ready to say that. I think I'm, I'm even leaning towards him coming back. I look at, you know, the NBA is a game of markets and looking at the, the class of, of big men in the draft this year, and that are going to be available undrafted free agents. Um, there is not a lot of centers. Uh, go look for it for yourself. If you're interested, there is not a lot of big men out there. Look, even look at the playoffs right now. Um, look at Boston who do- doesn't have enough, you know, centers to fill out their rotation. Um, but, or, uh, uh, Brooklyn could really badly use a center. Look at the teams down in the lottery, like my Toronto Raptors. We're desperately looking for centers. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of minutes available and contract spots available for for centers, and uh, there's not a lot of guys on the market. So I think that a lot of things like that could play into Colin Castleton maybe being gone. Again, I'm not going to predict he is gone. I am going to say that I just don't think it's a certainty where I think a lot of people think it is. But that is my way of saying getting around to if Colin Castleton does not return – then maybe it tilts it to to no. I don't think they are, but if you yeah. know, operating on the assumption, which again, I still I still do think he's coming back. So for the sake of this, um, him coming back, uh, yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. You spoke for me uh, totally adequately. Um, yes, I do think that Florida is at a better uh, in a better place. Um, you know, uh, roster composition wise. Yeah, and, and my comments are predicated on my belief that Colin Castleton will return to school. But um, you know, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that that's a deadlock certainty. Uh, I do think that he will, I think he would better himself by coming back. Um, and I'm not certain that the big man class next year is much better. Um, you know, and I also think there are things he could show on film that would be useful in another year of college basketball, particularly just the ability to make a 15 foot jump shot with some consistency. Uh, that's one thing you show on film rather than trying to figure out in the G league, (laughs) Uh, you know? um, So I think that's probably good, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair, a fair characterization of things. Um, Obviously if Keontae Johnson can play, um, you know, then they're in a much, much better spot than they were last year, even with the loss of of Trey man, but but we don't know what, you know, like everyone else, we're anxiously (laughs) awaiting, word yeah. on Keontae and yeah. you know, hope hope it works out yeah hoping and and I mean again even if uh even if the announcement comes it will be super happy and have a celebratory podcast but then even then I mean uh there will be no speculation from from me or Neil about what kind of a basketball player he would be so well we, we hope that time comes but uh Neil I do have one more thing about Florida's opponents that I wanted that I just thought this was the funniest thing ever um so I just have to comment did you see um, what, uh, you know, Milwaukee coach Patrick Baldwin senior, um, said the, or uh, did you see the situation with him after he, after he announced his, uh, his son is, uh, was, or well, after his son announced that he was going to go play for his dad, did you see that by any chance? I did not, but I love that Florida's playing them and, and Stony Brook. So, so, uh, um, so for those who don't know, so Florida is going to be playing on um, Milwaukee, um, and Milwaukee just got a fi- a commitment from a five star recruit from uh, Patrick Baldwin um, Jr. His dad, Patrick Baldwin Sr., is the coach there. Um, so Patrick Baldwin Jr. is like a legit five star. Like Duke offers offered by uh, he's been offered by you know everyone. So he's a he's a legit five star and has been forever. So, anyways, he announces he's going to to Milwaukee to go play for his dad, um, Patrick Baldwin Senior, which is um, you know pretty cool that uh, Milwaukee and the Horizon League um, get a five star. 
But like again, so so Pat so Pat Baldwin Sr., the coach, um, he is 47 and 70, I think, in his time at in at uh at Milwaukee. And in league play, he was like 25 and 45. So things <laughs> have not gone well. So he gets a commitment from his from Patrick Baldwin Jr., his son, who is a five-star recruit, who is again his son. And his agent comes out that day and says, um, "Yeah, we're we'll be looking to uh, to sign an extension here here soon. We're we're looking to negotiate an extension." And I just thought that was a hilarious power move, <laughs> with very little leverage to be like, "Hey, I know I've had four straight losing seasons, but I just signed a five star." And even like, it's like, "Well, isn't isn't it, it was like, isn't that your son?" It was like, "Hey, I signed a five star, and he's looking to negotiate uh, an extension at Milwaukee after signing his his five star son." And I just thought that was. Uh, that was a hilarious move by a coach to be like, or well, his agent to be like, yeah, we're, you, we got a five-star. It's time to renegotiate. And the athletic director was presumably like, well, I'm not totally sure you, you know, I just thought that was so funny. So Florida is going to see that team who was, uh, has been a losing team for multiple seasons in a row in the horizon league, but is featuring a five-star um, who could have got anywhere in the country. Oh man. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Now Florida's going to play them. They're going to play Stony Brook. Who's going to start five seniors. And their youngest player on their roster is 21. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the Seawolves are going to be really good. Um, you know, so some of these, like, that's a bye game, by the way. So good job, Mike. Um, now, don't get me started on Mike White bye games. Like, Mike needs to learn what a bye game is. Like, dude, just play Jacksonville. Like, sorry, just go shake Jordan Mincy's hand and take him out to, to Embers after. Like, it's fine. don't play stony brook on a tuesday night in gainesville man come on yeah Um, you know like don't don't play stony brook in december when nobody's gonna go on a weeknight yeah yeah. but we, we we've got all summer to lament these topics so yeah, I like I like the Embers reference. I know Nick Delatore, he's someone who keeps tweeting out about that spot. So yeah, so shout out to them apparently. And uh yeah, I, I would say, I mean, I know Florida when they're trying to throw together some games this year. Um they had a couple HBCUs that they uh, uh you know had on the schedule. They didn't end up working out. Um I think it'd be pretty cool if Florida got an HBCU in and uh, for a bye game. I think that that would be um fit some of the the classifications you might be looking for out of a, a bye game to throw on one of those december nights um so that'd be pretty cool but uh yeah i'm 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 good for whatever but yeah definitely some uh, a little bit of a little bit of fear maybe associated with uh with the stony brook game yeah it's just not it it has that loyola chicago feel to it oh man i just don't like you know it's december i'm in the holiday spirit like do i do i need that podcast in my life (laughs) No. Um, Thanks all for listening. Uh, It's been fun and we will be back uh, soon. Eric and I kind of got to figure out what we're going to do. Quite honestly, Um, we've been waiting for assistant hire so long. We haven't talked about it. That's on us. That's on us. We'll get it fixed. Um, So uh, enjoy and enjoy the baseball regionals and, and we'll be back. Bye everybody.